Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is Almost Live, our in-season Sunday morning podcast. We are joyous this morning because the Buckeyes looked like the Buckeyes. 152-13 at Rutgers. We're going to be joined today by Matt Baxendale, the people's champ. We're going to talk about the game and then get into some national and Big Ten stuff that affects the Buckeyes. But first, the real all-star of the weekend, Upper Arlington resident and fine human being and Buckeyes fan, Mike Zig. Who is that, you say? We all get texts about the Buckeyes, as you might imagine. I get several, hundred a week from friends, uh, sources, etc., with their predictions. In the history of being sent texts, I'm not sure I've been sent a better or more accurate text. This was sent to me. By the way, let's let's note to make us look worse. The roundtable we did backs, and I know you're there. We predicted 44-24, and the general consensus among our guys was tough game. This is Mike Ziggs text to me at Friday at 1.07 p.m. Am I the only one who thinks Ohio State is going to kick Rutgers A this weekend? Everything I read is Rutgers has way improved. Rutgers is going to be a great challenge. Yes, Shiano is a very good coach, but they just don't have the horses. Ohio State is on the cusp of getting its ass together now that they finally locked in personnel and have simplified the scheme. Time for Stroud to put together a complete game, 52-13. to 13. What do you make of that prediction? Way better than my prediction. I said 34-27 because I continued, continued to be he of little faith. So, yeah, that's a good job, Mr. Zig. I'll give you credit on that one. And like you said, the whole roundtable, I think all of us were at best hopeful for a, like, two or three touchdown win. That would be nice. That's absolutely not what we got yesterday. That is for darn sure. How do you explain what you saw yesterday? I talked to Mark Porter this morning about doing our Buckeye in the sky. The theme is going to be, is Rutgers terrible or Ohio State great? I mean, I, I, I lean towards the second one. I think Rutgers is a good team. We've seen it with every other game they've played this year, that they've either won or they played a really tight game nose-to-nose with Michigan uh, just a week ago. And, in fact, if you watch that game, you walked away from it thinking Rutgers probably was better. So, right now, we're sitting here – talking about an OSU team that two straight weeks has looked like Ohio State, right? And the O right now for me looks very strongly like it stands for optimism in Ohio because this is what a good OSU team was supposed to do. And there's two things that stand out. One, this is the third week with Matt Barnes calling the plays on defense, which builds so much confidence that the defense is going to continue to improve because they get quicker and quicker as it goes on. And – Number two, C.J. Stroud. If this is healthy, C.J. Stroud, what he's supposed to look like, then absolutely, positively, there is no discussion about quarterback anymore. 
I was very critical of CJ the first three games. And I, I, I still believe rightfully so. And I go into great length about this in the bucket of bullets, which comes out later today. But CJ did three key things differently in this game. One, there was no fear when he had to run. You could actually trust the zone read was being read. He scrambled when there was room. He doesn't have to be Braxton Miller, but he has to be a threat. Number two, what I saw from C.J. Stroud in terms of arm strength in this game was night and day from what we saw the first three weeks. There was some zip on his passes. And number three, he was accurate in short-distance throws. That was something we didn't necessarily get from him. We got a lot of those that went high. If this is C.J. Stroud, then good luck rest of the Big Ten because Ohio State's back, and they're back in a big way. One of the reasons I think all of us were expecting Rutgers to put up a good fight, one, Shiano, two, last year, the second half of the game against Rutgers, they pulled out the kitchen sink and were very competitive after falling behind big, but largely because they shut out Michigan in the second half of their game the week before, so I thought they were really sound on defense. Travion Henderson and Garrett Wilson had two of what looked to me to be the easiest touchdowns I've seen against a Division I outfit in some time. What do you make of the offense being that good against a Rutgers defense that shut out Michigan the week before in the second half? Ohio State has much better football players than Rutgers. I can't make it simpler than that. Uh, If you watched some of these plays, like Travion Henderson's first touchdown, he could have driven his new car that he was driving around on social media a week ago through that hole. It was a massive hole. Right. Uh, I, I think the receivers look, CJ hit them when they were open. And then, you know what the receivers did? They just beat everybody. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba had one play where he didn't score. It was a pretty long run, though. We're at full speed. He head faked two guys out of their shoes. And if it hadn't been for one, the second head fake where he had to slow down slightly and the guy caught him from behind, he was gone on a highlight touchdown. Reality is. Rutgers is a good football team. They're probably going to win seven, eight games this year. Okay. Ohio state's a really good football team. And we never really saw it until the last two weeks here, I would say. And if this is the way Ohio state is going to look and continue to progress, Ohio state is very quickly back in the mix about everything we were hoping for back in August. I, I, I don't want to read too much into just the fact that it's Rutgers, but this isn't like, two and 10 Rutgers. They don't suck completely anymore. They're probably a bowl team and Ohio state just beat them by 38 points or 39 points or whatever the heck it was. This is a very optimistic result. And by the way, this is a pick your score for Ohio state when it's 45 to six at halftime. If they had had some sort of grudge against Shiano, he could have dropped 80 on him. They could have scored whatever they wanted. I will say this. I want to say this about CJ Stroud. He never looked fully comfortable to me until this week. And he made a throw down the right sideline to a Smith and Jigba that was, you cannot throw the ball better. And it was a third and short. He threw it with confidence in the air, probably 25 yards. And it was right in stride. So he definitely seems more comfortable. Let's talk about, is it a concern or is it scheme-based? No real sacks in the game. They got one late from Tyleek Williams, who looked like he was trying to kill the dude. He, when, they're, when your coaches tell you to run through somebody, they need to get the tape of Tyleek Williams sacking Noah Vedral because he just was a pylon to the guy. I can't believe he did that to him. He has a family. No sacks. Should we be concerned? Or is this a schematic thing where Rutgers was just determined to get the ball out quickly? Uh, both. Here are the top four defensive lineman this year in my opinion and Dan I want your opinion on it too I think the top four defensive linemen have been Haskell Garrett Tyleek Williams Jack Sawyer and JTT and three of those guys are true freshmen and three of those guys didn't start yesterday what do you think who do you think have been the top four defensive linemen so far well I would say definitely Haskell Garrett Mm -hmm. I think he was the one who blocked the extra point 
and yes. mangled the kicker. He's in a league by himself as the group goes. Number two, I mean, you'd have to say Tyreek Williams based on splash plays. He just doesn't play as much as the other guy, so I'm, I'm hard-pressed there. I like JT Tuomalo at the point of attack. He's not shown me that he's as quick or as dominant as I thought he might be. We'll give him some time to get used to that. Jack Sawyer clearly, to me, just needs to get stronger. He's getting pushed around a little bit. He does have that edge whip around, though, that you like to see. The real disappointing thing is we don't have Tyreek Smith on this list. We don't have Antoine Jackson. But we don't have Zach Harrison on the list. So that, to me, is, is the hook. If Harrison was having the year we all thought he was going to have, I think they'd be in much better shape. But he hasn't. And it's because we have one non-true freshman having what I would consider a strong year on the D-line, and that's Haskell Garrett, who has been very good. Zach Harrison, it's like you get like two, three plays a game, you're like, whoa, look at that. And then the rest of it, he's kind of invisible. Tyreek Smith, we haven't seen him since the Clemson game. Antoine Jackson has been hit or miss at best. Javante Jean-Baptiste had a really awesome play yesterday where he went through the tackle and picked off a, a, a screen in the backfield for a five-yard loss took the guy down right as he was catching it but really they have not done a lot the upperclassmen on the d-line and the d-line has gotten better the last two weeks obviously better tyleek williams needs to start and this is this goes back to the whole theme of the best players on this team by and large have been freshmen so far this year and the d-line is the most emblematic place of it and if ohio state doesn't run through things here and win the big 10 and make the playoff that's the first place i'm going to guess we're going to look is at the d-line I don't care how young they are. And I think the OSU coaches are coming to that conclusion as well. But Tyleek Williams has to play. JTT and Sawyer both need to play. And we need more from the upperclassmen. I mean, if we got the Tyreek Smith we got against Clemson in a couple of these games, well, that would be something. If we got Zach Harrison consistent, that would be something. We haven't. And we need more from – and by the way, we haven't even talked about Teron Vincent, who I, I see a number six on the field, but I don't know what he does. The upperclassmen on the D-line have to be better. Really, that's my nitpick from yesterday's game is I wasn't really thrilled with upperclassmen not named Haskell Garrett playing D-line. I mean, there's a definite youth movement going on on this football team. You heard the statistic during the game that Ohio State started four freshmen, true freshmen, for the first time since the 40s. And you look at the touchdowns yesterday, the first one was a true freshman. The second one, Denzel Burke, who we need to credit, was a true freshman. So there's a youth movement going on, so the future is bright. I could see Mike Call stepping in for Haskell Garrett next year, and that be the starting four that you mentioned. Let's quickly talk about Maryland. Iowa just hammered them. That's our opponent this coming weekend. Chance for Ohio State to really hit its stride. 51 to 14. Then people thought Maryland might be competitive. Iowa is a lot better than people think right now. And the Big Ten has two very good undefeated teams at the top of the list, which we'll get to in a minute. But let's put it this way. There's haves and have-nots, it seems like, this year. And Maryland is one that has a couple receivers, and that's about it. So uh, I think it's another opportunity. If Ohio State does what they did against Rutgers, against Maryland, it's going to be three straight games where they are back to looking like Ohio State going into the meat of the schedule, and that's a great thing. We will make sure to give you Mike Ziggs' prediction for the game before it kicks off. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and talk Big Ten and national action that affects your Buckeyes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back. A huge Midwest tilt. The Fighting Luke Fickles are legit. They go into Notre Dame and get the W. Your thoughts on Cincinnati beating Notre Dame? Probably the biggest game of the day from the Midwest perspective. Yeah, it's nice to see the Notre Dame hype train come to a crashing halt a little earlier than usual. Good for Cincinnati. They are the team, I think, during the playoff era from the non-Power 5 that has the best chance of making a playoff of any year. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, stretch run to watch when it comes to the Bearcats. Michigan hammered Wisconsin 38-17. to Not trying to take credit away from Michigan, but Wisconsin looks subpar as Wisconsin goes. However, got to give them credit. Michigan is rolling. Your thoughts? Yet another game where Wisconsin had it tight in the second half and then ended up getting blown out. Uh, the reality is, is that, you know, Wisconsin's three losses have been to Notre Dame, Michigan, and Penn State. And so those are three pretty good teams to lose to. But I really don't have a good read on the undefeated Wolverines right now. Like, my vibe is I don't think they're that good, but they keep winning. So we're going to have to see how it goes with them over the course of the season here. But uh, there's no question in my mind that Wisconsin's a team that is uh, – it seems like there's a, there's a lack of mental toughness whenever they've turned tight third, fourth quarter games against Notre Dame and Michigan into games where they get absolutely hammered. So there's something wrong with Wisconsin right now. We're coming up against the clock a little bit here, so I'm not going to go into all the scores. Michigan State is still undefeated with a 48-31 win over Western Kentucky. I don't have a real read on Michigan State as yet. Here's who I do have a read on. Indiana is a terrible football team. and I don't know if Michael Penix and Ty Freifel will made a deal with the devil, but those guys are not the same players. Penn State hammers them 24 to nothing. And it was an embarrassing loss. It was 21 nothing in the third quarter, and Indiana's inside the 15-yard line, and it's fourth and two, and they tried kicking a field goal. The football gods rightfully smote them for it. Indiana is falling back into its state of irrelevancy they used to be at. Uh, and Penn State, by the way, also a good, solid football team. Big Ten East has... Uh, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, all undefeated. And then, of course, Ohio State suddenly looking very dangerous. That's a tough division right now, the Big Ten East. All right, let's hit the national scene. I have watched Arkansas play a few games this year. I was impressed, and Georgia beat them like they stole something, 37 nothing. Yeah, Georgia, look, I live down there, and they always blow it. But right now, Georgia's been the best team so far this year in my eyes. Uh, I'm not so sure about their offense, but whenever your defense is giving up something like four points a game, you just have to give them credit where credit's due. Uh, They should be number one this week in the rankings, in my opinion. That Arkansas team had been good so far this year, and that was a spanking. I have to admit, I'm amused by Lane Kiffin, but he got clowned by his former boss, Nick Saban, told the fans to get their popcorn ready, then went down 35 to nothing. Alabama wins 42-21. Three teams right now that have separated themselves from the pack. That's Bama, that's Georgia, and then, of course, there's the Iowa team we talked about a little earlier uh, who absolutely murdered Maryland on Friday night. They should be 1-2-3 this week, and I'm sure they will be. But the Bama and Georgia right now, uh, looking at how bad the rest of the SEC is after those two, the two of them would have to really booger things up to not both get into the playoff at this point. Ugh, this was this killed me. The Oregon Fighting Ducks with an all-time gag job against Stanford. They literally had the game won. They lose in overtime, 31-24. An all-time gag job. And by the way, kind of an Oregon thing to do, which is why I thought Ohio State would hammer them. I feel like if Ohio State played Oregon like this week upcoming, Ohio State would beat them by three touchdowns. 
It's just Oregon caught Ohio State at the tail end of the failed Combs experiment on defense with an injured quarterback and way too many young guys with not enough experience. The Pac-12 is trash. I mean, I, I can see Oregon losing another game or two because I'm not sure how good they are. But you remember in 2014 when Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech and we were all moaning and groaning that they were losing games and they finished with six losses? And yet, inexplicably, Ohio State didn't lose a single game after that. So maybe this is that kind of kickoff. We've certainly seen the development for Ohio State in a positive fashion in the three games since that loss. But, man, that was a that was absolute choke job, job by Oregon. And they're still the best team in a very bad conference. But this is a massive blow for the Pac-12's, uh, Pac-12's playoff chances. Oregon loses one more game, and that Pac-12, you can write them off again. You're watching the end of that game and knowing that was the same team that beat Ohio State was almost like an out-of-body experience. It literally did not make any sense. All right, I'm going to run down the rest of the scores here that I think are relevant, and then you got to get your kids on the ice. Oklahoma defeated Kansas State 37-31 and struggled. Oklahoma is not a national championship threat. They were overrated coming in. I don't think Spencer Rattler is going to finish the season as the starting quarterback there. Kentucky beat Florida 20-13. There you go, Florida. Texas A&M, 100% counterfeit, lost 26-22 at home to Mississippi State. Clemson beat BC 19-13. UCLA, counterfeit. Auburn, 24-19 over LSU. And then just to make it terrible enough for Ohio State in the end with the Oregon linear thing, Fresno State loses at Hawaii. What's relevant? I think all of it's relevant. First of all, the Big 12 is fraudulent. I think Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big 12, without question. The bigger question to me is going to be, is Oklahoma going to lose two games or three games? And the ACC, the best team in that conference is probably Wake Forest at this point. Ugly. So, you know, big picture here, Dan, I'm going to leave people with this last thought. I think there's two SEC teams in the playoffs. I think there's a very realistic path to there being two Ohio teams in the playoff this year, too. And that would certainly be something. My guess right now, neutral field rankings out of Las Vegas. Your Buckeyes are very close to number three. Believe it. We appreciate back stopping by. The People's Champ is about to get his boys on the ice. We wish them luck. Have a good one, Bucknutters.